I, I, I love I love the tweet that uh, that Toby Lutke made yesterday. He said, "Wow, these babies sure are small while they're booting up." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then somebody's response was, "But just like the JVM, they take a while to get started, but soon they grow to consume all of your resources." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This podcast is sponsored by New Relic. To track and optimize your application's performance, go to rubyrogues.com slash newrelic. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by JetBrains, makers of RubyMine. If you like having an IDE that provides great inline debugging tools, built-in version control, and tab completion, then check out RubyMine by going to jetbrains.com slash ruby. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 64 of the Ruby Rogues podcast. This week on our panel, we have James Edward Gray. No, don't do me. First, I'm still on page seven of the Ars Technica review. <laughs> oh, sorry. We also have Josh Susser. Hey, happy Mountain Lion Day. <laughs> and finally, we have Avdi Grimm. Hello from Pennsylvania. I'm Charles Maxwood from DeadChat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about presenting at conferences. Um, did you say DevChat.tv? I sure did. Because it almost sounded like deadchat.tv. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, that's my other more sedate podcast. The, the Seance Podcast. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Interview people who are no longer with us. All right. So um, I know that some of you guys have re- have actually organized conferences. Who? Wait, yeah, now and then. So, so I'm a little curious as to uh, what expectations you have. So, so the question in um, user voice says, as an aspiring conference presenter, I would like to hear from the experts, that's you guys, uh, on their process of picking a topic and what kind of preparation they do and any tips they may have. Well, that's a run-on sentence. Lots of code samples, uh, live coding, funny pictures of kittens, also with Con- Confreaks doing such an excellent job recording the talks. It seems increasingly difficult for me to find unique talks. Conferences are expensive both in terms of time and money, so I would want to add value to the community. Another corollary to that is once I have applied, once I start applying to give talks, if I have one accepted at a conf where conference will be recording, what are the options on giving giving it again? So there you go. Lots of good questions in there. Yeah, that's a that's actually a cool topic that I actually love a lot. So let's take uh, some of those points. Um, so, How do you so, guys pick a topic? Let's start there. Can we start like a, a one step before that? Um, because I think the the uh, it's also it's also interesting just like to talk about why uh, we decide you know why someone might decide to speak in the. I mean, obviously the person asking the question has decided that they want to speak, but but uh, you know should people speak at conferences and 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 what what drives people to do that? You played um, basketball, right? You know what a ball hog is? It's something like that. Wait a minute. Okay, I'm Are, are you referring to speaking to conferences or what I'm doing to the call right now? <laughs> a lot of things just happened there. First of all, Abdi plays basketball. What? Well, that's that's the that's the, the game where you where where you you weave a basket and then you toss ping pong balls at it, right? Would that just, mess up his hair? <clears throat> <laughs> I, I tried playing basketball but it turns out dribbling is not what I thought it was <laughs> <laughs> okay but yes Abdi has a great point why should we speak at conferences 
Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll take one. I think there, there's uh, many reasons to speak at a conference. One is um, uh, you like people. No, uh, no, no, I won't go down the road. <laughs> Wait, back up. <laughs> It's like, it's like, you, you you like people making fun of you on stage, right? No, it's like, uh, okay. So so speaking to conferences is, is um, there's a couple reasons to do things. One is uh, you have something cool that you want to educate people about. Um, another is that you have some uh, some business reason that you want to uh, promote a product or promote yourself. The, actually, speaking at conferences can be a really useful thing to do in terms of creating your personal brand and self-promotion. So, that, and and you know that that might sound like a, like a, um, an ill-natured uh, thing to do, but it it actually I think is a, a really great uh, exchange. You know, you provide information and uh, cool stuff for people, and you get your brand built and promoted. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, like, especially people who do a lot of freelancing and stuff, you got to get those jobs somewhere, right? Which means people need to know you're out there. They need to know what you're doing, you know, and, and this is one of the great ways to get that across. You know, they need to have an idea that you know what you're talking about and stuff like that. And that's one way to make that happen. Yeah. Yep. And so I agree with, with oh, go ahead. Yeah. And, and, and likewise, companies also like to send out speakers to help promote the company. When I worked, mm -hmm. when I worked at Pivotal Labs, that was, you know, like we always wanted to have people going to conferences and speaking because it was a good way to build the company's brand as well. Yep. So, so Avdi? I, I agree with all those, those points. Um, and I want to add uh, probably the biggest reason that, that I started speaking, it was an introversion hack for me. Um, you know, I'd, I'd gone to one or two conferences as just an attendee, and I realized that you know my my sort of crushing introversion being what it is, I um, I wasn't really getting enough like getting as much out of them as I as I knew I should be, especially given the fact you know that they're expensive, they take time out, um, you know, because I can I could totally go to a conference you know and I'd take in some talks and then I would totally fail to 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 meet people uh, you know in the hallways. And I, you know, that's, I mean, that's like the biggest value I think of going to a conference is, is meeting people, um, uh, networking to use a kind of a, an icky word for meeting people, um, and, and all that. And, um, and so like one of the biggest reasons I started speaking was I just realized that if I give a talk at a conference, then people will come and talk to me and I don't have to like, you know, I don't have to 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 read books on how to on how to meet people and and start conversations because people will come and and start conversations with me and and so it was it was kind of a hack it was like how can I how can I work with my introversion rather than against it that, that's great it 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 is a uh, it is a good way to develop yourself and to and to push yourself past your limits it, I think it's really interesting that people will go up and speak in front of a large group of of other uh, you know of their peers because public speaking is the number one thing that Americans are frightened of oh really <laughs> oh, oh yeah there's people are are generally more afraid of of public speaking than they are of dying so that's actually, that's actually funny because um uh you know, I speak at quite a few conferences and, and in front of pretty large groups. And I was sitting talking with a group of my friends the other day, and they were, we were all talking about it. And uh, it came out that I am, I am just, like, terrified of public speaking. And, like, whenever I turn around, there's that initial moment where 
get up on stage and I turn around and I realize I'm staring at hundreds of people who are staring back at me. That's like a super panic moment for me. <laughs> and so I just have to like sit there and get through it. And then once I start talking, I'm pretty okay. But, but it's that initial, from the time I get up on the stage to the time I actually start talking, I hate that part. That's awful. Okay. Okay. But I know the part that you love. And, and so I want you to talk about doing a talk as a way to learn a subject. Doing a talk as a way to learn a subject? Yeah, I do that a lot. Uh, is, uh, when I propose a talk for a conference, typically I will choose something I'm interested in learning more, more than I will choose something that I know really well. And obviously, I'll, I'll choose it in an area where I, I know it's easy for me to pick it up. You know, I won't, like, I won't choose something way out of my skill set or, or something like that. But, uh, you know, it's like, uh, oh, I've played with all these NoSQL databases, but never this one. So let's go figure out what's cool about that one, you know. And then I'll propose that talk as a way to motivate myself to do that and... Um, also, I have other reasons for doing that, too. Um, there's the Dreyfus model of skill acquisition, which is covered really great in um, oh, the Andy Hunt book, uh, Pragmatic Thinking and Learning, which I know I've recommended before. I love that book. Um, but that, that book talks about how, you know, if you're an expert in some area, then you're actually a pretty crappy choice to teach that particular topic, right? Because... <laughs> yeah. Only you really want somebody who's about one, one or maybe two levels above you on the uh, Dreyfus model of skill acquisition to be teaching you because they still understand and connect with the particular pains that you're encountering at your level. So um, if I choose something that I know really, really well, then I, I don't cover it as well. But if I choose something that I'm getting up to speed on, then I'm hitting the bumps along the way, right? And I'll remember to talk about those. It'll be like, oh, yeah, when I tried to do this, this part sucked. So here's how I solved it, right? Yep. So the next part of that question was, um, how do you pick a topic? And, and uh, I think James has kind of outlined some of the ways that he picks topics. But how do you pick a topic that they're going to actually ask you to speak on at the conference? Somebody on the internet is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. That's a great way. That's how Gary Bernhardt picks topics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you see people uh, say, saying something wrong, you go out there and you set the record straight. Okay. Do, it doesn't seem like, though, that I can really recall seeing that many people talking about something like that. I mean, I guess they just mentioned it at the beginning. Somebody said this, and I'm going to talk about it, and yeah. and then they well, tell you why yeah. it's not correct. But so, 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 yeah. So, so be before we get into too too much into picking topics, can we talk about the different kinds of talks and and why we'd want to do different like 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 there, there's a couple different kinds of talks, and you like picking the type of talk. I think before you pick the topic is sure, how, is how it, I do it. Break it down so, for us. Okay, so uh, let's see. I can think of I think three or four kinds of talks that, talks that are typical. One is the the keynote talk, and uh, I think that's a very distinct kind of talk. Uh, uh, then there's a, sort of a how to talk, which takes a piece of technology or a tool and and uh, goes into some you know it, it introduces it and then goes goes into some detail of how to use it effectively and why you might want to use it. Uh, another is an experience report. Where you 
say, hey, here, you know, here's something that I did and an interesting thing that I learned along the way. And so, uh, you know, basically help people learn from your experience so that they don't have to repeat all the same mistakes you did. And, and, and then I think there's just the, um, oh, uh, what's a good way to describe this? The, just sort of the, um, the uh, blow your mind kind of talk. And, and, and I think a great example of that was the talk that James did at RailsConf about the, you know, 10 things you didn't know Rails could do. Oh, I thought that was the category of bad ideas talk. I love that. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's a valid category as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's my so, favorite. Yeah, so, so, um, so I, I've done one keynote talk. And and that was probably the hardest talk I ever did. It, it was. The, I, I agree. I've done one, and I probably won't do them again. The, well, I I really liked doing it, and I got to say stuff that I would never get to say otherwise. It's just, you know, when you when you do a keynote talk, you pretty much have a license to um, make stuff up. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, you, the the point of a keynote is to. Uh, basically inspire people. Yeah, to, to give marching orders, to set the tone, to, yeah. Yeah, so, no I, pressure. Yeah, so, so I love the keynote talk that Dave Thomas did at RailsConf years ago where he's like, hey, let's embrace enterprise. Let's not be anti-enterprise. Here's all the things that we can do to make, to make Ruby and Rails be uh, friendly to the enterprise. And you know, years later, you look at all the things that he talked about in that talk, and most of them have come to pass now in some way or another. And so it was, a, it was a great talk at, you know, and then his other talk about, um, cargo culting the, you know, I thought that was a great talk too. And that, it, so it, a keynote has an opportunity to really, uh, you know, put an plant an idea or the seed of an idea in the community. And then you, from there you can watch it grow. So the, the, the keynote that I did, unfortunately wasn't recorded. It was in a relatively small conference and, uh, you know, it didn't get written up. So, you know, it didn't have a big effect, but uh, a couple people liked it, so that was okay. But so was, here, here's my thing about keynotes. They're usually pretty, like Josh says, inspirational, high level. They're often more about community than they are about code and things like that. And I totally suck at all those things, right? So uh, I prefer to give normal talks because the only thing I know how to do is code. So that that's squarely in my element and I can do that and mess with that and play with that and have a good time. Whereas mm -hmm. when people ask me, you know, and people ask me crazy things sometimes like, you know, you know, tell us about what your day is like. And it's like, my day is utter chaos. You don't ever want your day to be like my day. <laughs> Jeez, that would be a terrible thing, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm no good at talking about any of that. The only thing I'm good at talking about is code. So I try to stick to that. But you, you know, I think that's like one of the most challenging things to do. And you nail it, you know, I mean, and you completely nail it, which is, you know, inspire people with code. I mean, it's one thing to, to you know, to talk about like high level ideals and stuff like that. But, you know, to actually put code up on a screen and have people walk away and saying, wow, I feel like I, I feel like I want to, you know, go do something awesome. Um, you know, that's a hell of a thing. I do think there are a couple of other um, other talk types that I've seen. Um, I mean, there's kind of the, the patterns and practices talk, which isn't about any particular technology, but it is about like, you know, um, ways of, of, of writing code better. Uh, and then there are also the, the soft talks, which is kind of like a whole other area. 
you know, of like just people talking about um, improving their lives in some way. Yeah, I call uh, those or, I call those motivational speaking talks. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and and and, and, uh, and it's interesting to see when people cross the line to you know to go from technical speaking to motivational speaking. Uh, uh, you know, you know, David Henry Hansen did that at RailsConf a couple years ago. He got up there. and He's like, you know, what, how will we spend our what what was it? What was the word for it? Uh, the uh, the you know it's like oh we got you know we got all this extra time because we use rails you know so how do we spend that do we go to vegas and indulge in hookers <laughs> and blow or <laughs> no we drive race cars yes <laughs> <laughs> right so uh right so anyway that that was uh that was an yeah. interesting example of motivational speaking there there's right. one more talk type which um which i don't particularly I usually don't particularly enjoy which is the check out my new library talk <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to too many people's feelings with this um, because you know what you got up on stage and that's freaking awesome um, you know what those make great lightning talks absolutely I completely agree with that I've seen so many you know check out my new gem talks that would have been would have made just a fantastic lightning talk um, but uh, you know if you want to, like, if you're going to show, you know, your gem, uh, that's fine. But, like, but pick a gem that you've been using in production and then then structure your talk ar- around the major problem that you solved by using it, not around the gem itself. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. It is okay to talk about other people's gems. And uh, one way I've done that in the past is um, find an over uh, overriding theme. So, like, uh, one year I did... Um, ridiculously fast programs in Ruby and then I showed gems like an array and stuff like that where you could just take you know unbelievable shortcuts and and do massive processing in Ruby very quickly which you know everybody says Ruby is slow and can't do that so that makes for interesting you know yeah watch this yeah yeah so um how now that you kind of have an idea of some of the types of talks you can give how, how does that inform the topic or does the topic inform this or is it kind of, you kind of wind up picking both at the same time? Mm-hmm. It's, I, I think it, I think that, um, that there's probably a given people's, uh, sort of disposition. I think they would be naturally drawn to particular types of talks. You know, some people are more keynote. Some people are more nuts and bolts. How to, you know, like James says, he really likes, Oh, here's how you program. So I so I don't think that picking the type of the talk is going to be too difficult for people. I think they'll be naturally drawn towards one particular type. But the the topic, I'd say, go with either what you know or what you want to learn. Yep. But I, either way, it should be something that you are really interested in. Yeah, and when it comes to like getting people to be inter- other people to be interested in that, um, you know, and and want you know want to pick the talk for their conference. I think that's really more in in how you present it, like how how what your abstract for the talk looks like, what the title, you know, sad to say, what the title is can actually I think have a big big impact. Uh, you know, you can make pretty much any topic interesting. Uh, the trick is, I think the the main trick is don't talk about don't talk about the topic. Talk about what problems you're going to solve with the topic. You know. Get people to identify with with the issue you know that you had that made you interested in this topic in the first place, and and tell them that you're gonna you know talk about how you solved it. Yeah, the the, the, the I think the the key, the trick to making any talk interesting is that you're telling a story. Yes, mm-hmm. that makes sense. 
And uh, yeah, I guess you could just uh, spell that out in the abstract when you answer the call for proposals. So yeah, the abstract is actually kind of key to the whole thing, right? I mean, imagine a group of people are going to sit down at some restaurant somewhere, lay all these papers out in front of them, and and read through them and decide what they want to build their conference out of, right? And that's I, I'm not making that up. That's literally how we did it at Red Dirt Ruby Conf. So. I, I, yeah, and and I and I just did this very recently for Golden Gate Ruby Conference. You know, we had about fifty proposals that we had to wade through, and it was you know we did it on the computer, not on the table, but it was basically the same thing. You got to look through all these things, and the descriptions or the abstracts. <clears throat> sometimes they were they were tantalizingly uh, close to something that we wanted, but other and, and, but the the abstract was just not. It didn't sell the talk enough, and. And the point of doing a talk is you get up there and you're trying to sell an idea. You're standing in front of a room of a couple hundred people and you got to get up there and sell your idea and convince them that sitting in that chair for a half hour or 45 minutes was worth their time. Mm-hmm. And, 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 that, and that the idea that you're communicating has, has value. And that's a sales job. And if you can't write you know, 100 or 200 words and convince me, sell me on the idea of your talk – that you know that you should be allowed to give the talk, then you probably can't stand up in front of the room and sell that idea to the room. Yeah, and it's right. worth noting here that that you should not be like writing that whole talk and then and then writing the 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 abstract like oh man now I have to sell it after I put all that work into the talk. You know, write that abstract first. That's like that. You know, write the write. Oh, write down why this why yeah. this talk is important to you and why people should be interested and you know and submit that and and don't you know don't devote a ton of time to the talk <laughs> itself until until somebody um, says yeah that's that's interesting and, and that actually gives you the opportunity to write a number of of abstracts about it different things that you're interested in and and see what catches on mm-hmm. so, yeah, well, well, well well after, I, I think that Especially when you're beginning, at, you know, when you're starting out speaking, I think there's a, a fair amount of trepidation that that people feel that if they write an abstract and and they submit that and it gets accepted, then they're like, "Oh crap, I got to do the talk now," <laughs> so, <laughs> which I have to admit is typically my reaction. But, oh, it's, uh, I agree. It's terrifying. I, mean, I, I, you know, as as a relatively recent speaker, I was there very, re- you know, very recently, and and I completely agree, but. But you know, but, I guess but, but, what I'm yeah, yeah, but 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 the thing is, don't 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 be afraid to do that. It it it, and you're right. You don't want to sit down and write the talk and then say, okay, now I'm going to write this nice little abstract about it and I'll send that out. And you know, because that's <laughs> safer. And you know, it's like take a damn risk. You know, you know, put yourself out there. You're got because you're going to have to take a risk when you get up at the podium and talk to and, people. And, and, well, and here's what it boils down to: you're gonna make, you're gonna write the talk. You know what? If you get that acceptance, uh, you're gonna, you know what? You 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 had that job, you know, where where you 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 pro- you probably had that job once where you got in, you know, even as a as incredibly inexperienced, you know, junior programmer um, through, you know, however you got the job, you know, you, there you are with people people looking at you saying saying expecting you to be a professional.